He is the way and the truth and the life. We have to die in order to live. Good morning, Father. Good morning, John Ray. Welcome to episode 23 of Beyond the Gospel. 23. Beyond the Homily. I don't even know what it's called. Beyond the Gospel. We call that, uh, I don't even know what we call that. So, um, yeah, I mean, we call that hell. (laughs) Beyond the Gospel. (laughs) What the Gnostic Gospels, where God only tells just a few people uh, things necessary instead of everyone. Oh, it's not just me? Yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, um... So we're a little, a little, we're right at a week since the pastor left. Yep, yep. And uh, the church is still here. The offices aren't burned down. So as of right now. Is it though? Like, it's a big win. I, I don't know. They got these like, you know, in the old church, they got these like trash bags over the door and stuff. What are you doing in there? <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> as Father Brady was giving me the keys to the kingdom, I saw him turn around. He took a deep breath and he was like, <sighs> It was just like, I think it was more of worry than... Relief. Was it worry or was it relief? Yeah, it was probably... A little bit of both. relief, but then he kind of is worried, uh, too. I would worry with you and George. Hey, look, man. Everyone's still alive, you know? So in, in, in this short week with with the pastor out of town, what have you managed to accomplish? What's one thing you've managed to accomplish? <laughs> I have a lot of meetings in my day, uh, which is good. It... Uh, but with people or just with yourself? Both. both. <laughs> uh, pet me up talks with myself and then uh, meetings with other people. But uh, kind of, um, you know, just I remember whenever he left, he uh, I actually. You remember had, that? That was so long ago. Yeah, it feels like a long time ago. He, uh, whenever they left, he forgot uh, his passport or something. And so he called. I was actually in a meeting at 5 a.m., if y'all could believe that. And so I left that meeting and uh, to go. Who gets get, up to meet with you at 5 a.m.? That's crazy. I had a meeting at 6 a.m. this morning. It's, uh, I don't know. People. People wake up at crazy times, you know? And so, sure. uh, and so I had a, I left that meeting to go and drive and give him his passport because he forgot. So that was one thing I accomplished. I helped Father Brady go on his trip. You helped get him out of the country. I helped him get him out of the country, which is whether that's an accomplishment or not. And they come back this weekend? Yeah, they come back Sunday. Okay. Um, they're in Spain. They're in Spain right now. Okay. What are they doing in Spain? Well, Spain is a very Catholic area. Some of the prettiest churches in the world. There's actually one, that, uh, the Sagra La Familia, I think is what they call it. Did you just make that up? No, no. It's something the Sacred Family or something. Okay. Uh, whenever it's going, whenever it will be finished, built. Because right now they're building it. It's almost done. I mean, you could, they have masses in there already. But when it's finished, it'll be the biggest church the world has ever had. Wow. It is it is humongous. It's very beautiful. And in fact the architect behind it, there's a I could go on for days about it because it's very interesting. They uh the when the architect died, who's now up for canonization, there was no architects in the entire world, even to this day, that had any idea how he was getting it built in the sense that like it did mathematically it didn't make sense. And so the only way they were able to even finish building it is that he built a little model in his room. Oh, wow. And so they just, you know, built that up to scale. And that's the only way they're able to finish building it is that they're going off of this model he had in his room. Like a little, it goes up to your waist. And so he just built that model and then he started building the actual thing. And when he died, that mathematically they could not figure out how 
this building was going to be built or finished being built or even how it even got to that point. So how long has this been under construction? Over a hundred years. Oh. Yeah, it's per- I mean, it, it is crazy to think that, you know, what Are able- they whittling the nails? Yeah, like- no, it's just, uh, you know, it just takes that long. Like even the National Basilica. We built one in 18 months. <laughs> the National Basilica in, uh, in Washington, D.C., it was finished just a few years ago. So it simply took 100 years to build. Wow. Built the last mosaic, uh, the Trinity Dome was put up, I think, in 2016 or something. Okay. And they broke ground in, like, 1923 or something, I think. I didn't... So I've been to the National Basilica. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize that it was under construction. Well, yeah, so, like, in the same way that this this church in, in Spain is under construction, you know, it's... It but looks it's finished. still being used. Yeah, it looks finished, but they still got some things they need to knock out. Interesting. So is this a, a bucket list for you? Yeah, I really enjoy architect. I love uh, artwork. Obviously, I didn't know this about you. Yeah, I love artwork. Uh, it was, I, I love looking at things and finding the deeper meaning of them. Uh, and so that's, I think that's just kind of, the Catholic faith is a treasure trove of that, that like everything we do has much deeper meanings and has a whole tradition behind it. And of course, artwork uh, is the same way with at least our artwork. And so, um, no, that, that church is definitely a bucket list. I would love to go and see it. Why you didn't go on the trip? Oh, because... <laughs> Someone's got to burn this ship. I mean, run this ship. <laughs> run this ship to the ground. I mean, run it. <laughs> so, uh, this last Sunday, um, one of my favorite Gospels... It's actually on a ship. It's actually... Speaking of ships, right? There we go. Um, I don't know if it was a ship as much as it was a boat. A little P-Row. Yeah. I'm pretty sure... Um, so I imagine that Peter built the boat, right? I don't know why I think that. Maybe they had boat yards back then. Well, you know, you probably have to be a jack of all trades, you know? Yeah. Um, like, I imagine, you know, the calming of the storm. This is not the gospel that we heard last Sunday, but I'd imagine that some of the distress in Peter's voice when he woke Jesus up, when he was sleeping on the cushion, right, was like, he was thinking, Lord, get up. I built this boat. I know yeah. I can't take this pounding. Yeah, that's actually a really good, that's a really good insight, you know, that I built this boat. You better make sure that because this is my livelihood, you know, you better make sure this does it. Sure. That's yeah. a good insight. But have you ever noticed that they weren't really good fishermen? I mean, you kind of said that in, in your homily this Sunday. Like, the two accounts of them fishing they in the Gospels, nothing. they caught nothing until Jesus showed up. But, I mean, like, praying with the Scriptures, like, it really did come to me during the week that, like, you know, they didn't have lights. And so, like... See, yeah. I didn't realize they, they, they fished at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, even in the Gospel for this week, it says, you know, after fishing all night. Yeah, yeah. Because night fishing... And, and in John 21, which is the other Gospel, mm-hmm. um, they fished all night. Yeah, it's uh, day fishing. I learned this from some fishermen off of in Venice, you know, Venice, Louisiana. <laughs> so, sure. they, uh, you know, they said that uh, even deep-sea fishing uh, during the day, only for the past few years... Like not that long ago, they had to go night fishing because they would uh, they would come up to the water more, and so they and they couldn't find the fish when they were so deep down, and so they had to have technology to kind of find the fish that deep. Interesting. Uh, and so, but whenever the sun's not out, they come up higher, not that much higher, but higher. Well, this was uh, a the Sea of Gennesaret. It wasn't the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. I wonder how deep it is. Mm. That's a good point. But I also wonder if they didn't fish at night. You know, I, I didn't know that until you said that this last. Sunday. Um, 
I wonder if they fish at night because they were in a desert. Mm. And it might have been cooler to fish at night than... Yeah, but I mean, to fish at night with no lights, I mean, how, how do you see anything? That's probably the issue. Peter was pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have his flashlight with him. <laughs> maybe, maybe the reason he caught fish with Jesus was because during the day he was fishing with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I remember years ago a priest said in his homily that we learn a, a very valuable lesson. When you fish without Jesus, you don't catch anything, you know? <laughs> important thing is to fish with Jesus. But um, so one of my favorite gospels, because uh, because of the line in, in verse two, um, he saw two boats there alongside the lake. The fishermen had disembarked and were washing their nets. Who is the second boat for? So he, they bring up the sons of Zebedee, uh, St. John, you know, so I mean, it could be, it could, could be there, it could be theirs because they were fishermen too. And they, uh, and the other gospel accounts, you know, that he called Peter and then he called them, you know, so they were, they were together or at least in proximity, they did the same thing. So it could be theirs. The only person that had a good assumption was Mary, right? Hmm. We're assuming. <laughs> Sorry, dad joke. There we go. So, I, fun fact: like with urgency in my voice, I called my thirteen-year-old out of the out of his room the other day, like calling up to him, you know, mm-hmm. like, "Hey, come here, come here, come here, quick!" Boy, he runs out quickly, and I'm like, um, "What was Dr. Pepper a um, a doctor of?" And he said. Ah, Dad, I was like, he was a physician. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> anyway, sorry, the assumption joke. Um, but it, it, I, I find it it's interesting because the very next line it says, getting into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Mm-hmm. We know whose boat he got into. We don't really know whose boat he didn't get into, right? Jesus made an intentional decision that morning to get into the boat of Simon. And we know where that story goes, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you said some interesting things about boats in general this past weekend. Yeah. And so there, there's a... There's I learned a lot in your homily this weekend. Well, the big just this one time, you know? Uh, but there's a lot of ways that you could take the Gospels, right? So like a lot of church fathers, they'll say, you know, Jesus gets in the boat of Peter. That's whenever he's starting to establish the Catholic Church, the boat, the boat that's taking this church to heaven and Peter is the head, right? So the Pope mm-hmm. is, it's hit, you know, he's in charge, Jesus is in charge, but it's, you know, we have a head here on earth and that's the uh, Pope, the Holy Father. Um, this is Pope Peter the first. Uh, and so he's getting into the boat and the sea is kind of the world. And so Did he refer to himself with that, like that? I'm Pope Peter Pope, the first. Pope Peter the first. Well, no. <laughs> probably not the first. They've never been a second. So, uh, but no, I, I think. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, I would never, I could never imagine someone taking the name Pope Peter II. We could definitely think that maybe they didn't have a sense of humility. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be pretty, we'll see how that works out. Uh, But I think what I kind of started off my homily is that, like, I think a lot is lost in the Gospels from our, just our daily reading because we don't understand the context that's being written in, in the sense that, like, you know, I'm not a first century Jew in the ancient Near East. I don't know the type of way that they lived. I don't know how they walked and talked, you know, the distances or the hardships they endured. And so a lot can be lost by me simply not knowing the context uh, that is being written in. Now, look, it's the word of God. And so the context 
you know, but I think a, a lot can be lost. And so I kind of tried to, for the first, honestly, I think probably half of the uh, my homily, I tried to paint the picture of what it was like fishing at that time and and uh, and Jesus entering the boat. What was that like? So think about it like um, if someone were reading about Mardi Gras down here and, you know, uh, about a traditional chicken run, you know, in Church Point, um, they're going to lose a lot by not knowing and understanding our culture. Yeah. It's the same thing with the Gospels. We miss yeah. so much as Americans reading the Gospel because yeah. we don't know the Jewish culture and traditions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you did a good job of kind of painting that picture. Well, I mean, again, I learned something. Yeah. It's probably the first time I, that you've had that I paid attention to. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, folks. <laughs> uh, folks, you yeah. said that plural. There's just yeah, one person one listening one right person, now. Oh, three listeners. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, we have a lot. Uh, I'm very, very happy on the growing number. I, maybe I need to make a. I think you should mention moment. it every Sunday in your. Every in your, Sunday? Yeah, don't y'all agree? Like, send Father an email if you agree. Agree. Oh no! <laughs> Every Sunday you should be, and this week in the podcast we're going to talk about. Make sure I mean, we got a, we got, we got, you know, almost three thousand people in attendance. You know, in the mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, Come I, on, I, step up your game. I need to make something. Yeah. But uh, act like you care about this. I do. I do. I'm here. <laughs> uh, Except for the weeks you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so the. Um, I think a big aspect of uh, like kind of getting into that mode is realizing all the things that we have. Like, we have no idea what it's like to have to not have electric. Like, we didn't have electricity, you know, for a hurricane or something like that for like maybe a week, and that you know that would devastate people, right? Um, we don't know what it's like to not have lights and to not have running water. Uh, and I said this, you know, most people can't leave their phone in the car when they go to church, you know? And so, like, it's, it's just so much a part of people that it's hard to kind of step back and, and truly see with the eyes that they look through, uh, the lens that they look through. And so, um, fishing all night, that's a 12-hour shift, you know? Working all night tirelessly. And look, if you go deep-sea fishing right now, it takes an hour, it takes two hours with a, bo- with a motor. Right? I'm not saying they're going out in the, the ocean, but I mean, imagine how far out they had to, to row, uh, you know, just physically by themselves uh, to go and do that. How um, how did they see that? To, I mean, to me, that still blows my mind. How in the world did they see anything in the night? And then how did they get back? So they're, they're going out, but then how in the world do they get back? They had GPS. I suppose, yeah. They, I, I mean, even a compass, you know, back then you needed a sundial, you needed the, uh, you needed the light uh, from the sun. And so, I mean, just a lot of little... And then after working this 12-hour shift where they catch nothing, which happens because fishing is a hard job, and then they come back and you, you know, you smell like rotting fish... Uh, because that's you know that's just a fisherman's life. For you parents out there, they smell like middle schoolers. Yeah, oh, I guess so. I smell <laughs> rotting fish, uh, but uh, you know they smell like rotting fish. They have to clean the boat, clean the nest, and go back to go back to bed all day, so they can do the same thing when they wake up. And so their social life is not really there. You know they're working all night, sleeping all day, recovering, just so they can get paid probably too little. 
And so this is a back-breaking work. People don't go to college. This is not an upstanding or like something like, man, you know what I want to be when I grow up? This is a hard job. And in fact, John, uh, the beloved, they found it, I mean, he's most likely around 12 when Jesus called him. And so this was a kind of a family thing that, you know, you just started working. As soon as you could walk and talk and hold something in your hand, you're going to start this back-breaking work. So you, you... Well, before I say that, um, I also think that we miss the they were washing their nets, right? Um, I mean, because you said the boat is how they had their livelihood, right? Them washing their nets was part of their livelihood. If that net wasn't clean, if it had a tear. If, or it had salt in it, it degrade, yeah. Yep. Um, if it had, you know fragments of whatever in it small fish that rotted they had to spend some time meticulously cleaning this net after this shift right and just to do it all again the next day just to have jesus walk up and say hey yeah i'm getting in your boat let's you know so they're sitting there they you know you said it they they they've worked hard all night they're done and now they're cleaning their nets they're in the midst of this meticulous like if this net isn't clean then i don't eat tomorrow right yeah and i mean i said this in my homily and like and i think a lot of people can relate to this put yourself in those shoes maybe it's easier for some than others to where you work, you toil, you put everything you have into something, and it's not giving any fruit at all, or very little fruit, right? I mean, this is backbreaking work, sweat on the brow, it causes worry, anxiety, anger, and it's, it's legit, you put so much into it, and it's just not paying out, simply not. And then Jesus gets in that boat and says, push out. Does Jesus have any idea how tired they were. Well, uh, sure, on the surface level, we can look at that, right? Mm-hmm. But I sat with this a little bit this week since then. I, again, this is this is a gospel that I go back to over and over and mm-hmm. over again. What does it look like to follow Jesus, right? Because at the end of the gospel, he gives us the he gives Peter the invitation, follow me, mm-hmm. right? Um, and what I what I what I've sat with and what I think. What keeps coming up in my heart, let's just put it that way, mm-hmm. is a lot of times Jesus gets into our boat when it's not convenient. Bingo. Right? And that that is the image right there. That if God picks me up when I'm down, then I have to let Jesus in when I'm down. That when these situations arise where I'm just putting in so much work, and so my, I'm just down, right? I, it's, things are not looking on the up. And they're not turning out the way I thought they would in whatever case it may be, whatever situation, work, marriage, kids, name it, uh, faith. And that's when Jesus enters because it's hard to lift up the lowly if you're never lowly. huh? It's how can God uh, lift up my soul if it's never been put down before? And so that's when God enters the boat is when typically we're tired and it's at the end and it makes me think like, man, do you have any idea like how, how much I tried already or how, how tired I am right now? That's when Jesus enters and tells him to push out. Mm-hmm. And he says, we're gonna, we're gonna do this, except this time we're gonna do it with me. And that's the, that's the big difference. That's this, that is whenever a conversion can happen. That whenever you give it all, 
without God, and then you finally, God enters in and you give it a little bit more. That's when conversions happen. And there's, and sometimes the only way the good Lord can get into our heart is to break it, you know? And so sometimes before I could I let God in my life, or I could see the light, I have to be at rock bottom, you know? And that's and maybe that's just because I'm Ted Dear, right? I'm hard headed. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it's it means it means uh, little cow too. But little cow. Yeah, I mean, either way you want to take it. <laughs> <laughs> so that, uh, but that's the situation Jesus goes in. That you know, at the end of the day, these workers are tired, very naturally, very I think justifiably, they're tired, and then God gets in their boat. And so I think the, the, the takeaway and, you know, from that particular line and, and I would encourage our listeners to to really sit with that. Like if you're waiting for the most convenient time to let Jesus into your boat, into your life, mm-hmm. it's there's not going to ever be a convenient time for that. Because, I mean, heck, when Jesus enters our lives, it is very disruptive. Yeah. Right. Because. He's the most radical person that's ever walked the face of the earth. Yeah. And so they, and, and our blessed Lord says in another passage, you know, I didn't come to call the, you know, the righteous. I came to call sinners. I well, came to, came to heal. I'm glad you brought that up because that's mm-hmm. where we go, right? Mm-hmm. In this particular passage. And I think Peter's life is just so telling. Can you tell that I like Peter? Mm-hmm. I like him because he's arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, relate, let's say. Yeah. Um, but so um, once Jesus performs the miracle, I mean, heck, we would assume that the way Peter reacts um, to Jesus's miracle of catching the fish, Peter probably had never caught a fish before he met Jesus, right? Yeah, that he was a bad <laughs> but, fisherman, huh? But it says, you know, um, well, let, let me let me pull that gospel back up. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus and said, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that that encounter with the Lord, obviously with Peter in this gospel account, but with all of us, I think when we encounter the Lord, we naturally come face to face with the reality that we're a sinner Mm -hmm. and we don't feel worthy. Right. We don't feel like I can follow Jesus. Like I I have felt that way in my life, you know, where in my feeble attempts to follow the Lord, I come I come face to face with the reality of my sinful nature. Right. And and automatically discredit myself many times. Right. Um, And Peter does this exact thing. And 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 I find it interesting that Jesus doesn't even really acknowledge it. I mean, sure, he could have looked at him and said, well, your sins are forgiven. Come and follow me. Right. But he really doesn't even acknowledge it in the gospel account. He looks at Peter and says, come and follow me and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Yeah. You know, so Peter acknowledges his sin and immediately is invited by the Lord who doesn't acknowledge that. Peter is a sinner. He doesn't say, well, you're right. John, come follow me. Yeah, someone else. Yeah. I mean, because we could argue the fact that John's probably holier than Peter ever was in many ways, right? Mm. In his meek and humble and and, and his wisdom. He never never abandoned uh, Christ on the cross. Yep, exactly. Um, And so I, I find it interesting that Jesus calls Peter in spite of his sin and then as we study the gospels what we realize is that following jesus turns peter into the saint 
And it wasn't an easy path. <laughs> like he had many times where he turned his back on the Lord, right? And continued in his sinful ways and was continuously invited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, in all of all of our readings, it talks about this conversion where like these people like King Uzziah, uh, St. Paul, St. Peter, <clears throat> they all had an encounter with God. They see God and then they see themselves and they notice the difference, right? And so that's why confession is so important. Because the closer I get to God, was that a trumpet blast? Yeah, that was something. It was a, <laughs> I just, I just, just an announcement. So yeah. Maybe yeah, it was a trumpet blast. But the closer I get to God, the more I realize my own faults mm. because I can see God more clearly and how perfect He is. But then I can also see myself more clearly and how imperfect I am. Right? Even though I'm striving harder and harder, I'm not perfect. And so, confession becomes more and more necessary the closer and closer I get to God because I'm able to see the difference more and more clearly. And so that's why they, they have and all And the closer you get to God, the more you'll probably be tempted to sin. Yeah, the, uh, there's a lot of saints that write... Um, you know that about their own lives and about this in regards to like how Satan tempts people beginning the spiritual life, someone that's kind of in the middle of the spiritual life, and then someone that's extraordinarily advanced in the spiritual life. And it, it's actually very interesting. Sure. Uh, and how do they respond? But you know, all that aside, um, I mean, Saint Peter has that conversion of heart where he, he's able to see God more because of this miracle that they caught so much fish during the day. No one fishes during the day. And so the fact that they caught so much that he had to call the other boats to help him. I mean, that's pretty astounding. And then you fast forward to John 21. They catch fish again during the day after fishing all night mm-hmm. and not catching anything. You would think they would learn fish during the day with Jesus. Yeah. I mean, like, this is a miracle. By today's standards, you know, it's not, you know, we fish during the day all the time, right? But, like, back then, it just... No one did that because it couldn't be done. Yeah. And so, like, Jesus walking on the water, okay, us catching this much fish during the day. That, I mean, that's a big thing. And so I think the takeaway from today's gospel is we, there's never going to be an opportune moment for to invite Jesus into your life. And yet he's going to constantly walk into your boat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, despite the fact that you're not perfect, right? Following, you don't have to... You don't have to be perfect to start following Jesus. And in following Jesus, you'll become perfect, more perfect, right? <clears throat> in following Jesus, we become the saint. Like Peter was not Saint Peter. He was not Pope Peter the first the day that he said yes to following mm-hmm. Jesus in Luke 5. It was a journey. It was a journey. And it was a it was a rough journey with its ups and downs, you know. Follow Peter's life through the gospel and into Acts. And yeah. you'll realize that over and over and over again, Jesus had to come back and continuously invite him. So don't give up in your journey. Don't give up in your conversion. Um, and don't wait for the perfect opportunity to be perfect. Yeah. But say yes and start following Jesus today. One thing I want to kind of end on is uh, because I, I think it's it's so it's so necessary, but I've I've never really heard a lot about it. It's good friends in the spiritual life, mm. and and our own little you know walk with God. I like when you brought that up in the God in the homily uh, I, last weekend. I mean, it's just it makes a world of difference. 
night and day. Like when when they pull in all this fish, Peter cannot do it himself. And so our, an interpretation of one of, from one of the church fathers is that Peter is reeling in the grace from God. And it's just too much for him to, to even bear because God's grace is more than I can ever count. And so, but who helps him count the graces? Who helps him reel in the graces? His friends. Yeah. He calls the other boats to help him. We need good friends to help us recognize the graces in our life when they're right in front of our face and we just we just can't see it or we can't reel it in because we're just not uh, in that in the right mindset at the time someone I always say this someone will call us crazy when we're crazy lazy when we're lazy a good friend St. Thomas Aquinas says this I, I said in my homily St. Thomas is the greatest theologian to ever live and he said there's nothing more precious on earth than a good friend and I mean, I could say this hands down, that I have a few good, I have a few good friends. I'm very lucky, and from day one, you know, they've they've called me to something better than I am, and they've helped me do it. Um, good friends are not people you gossip with, or it's not just someone you only ever do. Uh, you know, you go drinking with, or or you know, you you just watch it. Now they could. Do, you can have a beer with your friends, absolutely, but that's not the that's not the goal. That's not the point of their friendship, right? Can you have a deep conversation with them? Can you allow them? Uh, do you take their advice? Do you trust them? You know, this is we need good friends in the spiritual life. So on that note, um, I'm gonna seize this opportunity to make a little commercial announcement. Um, if you are a man listening to this podcast right now and you don't feel like you have good, holy men in your life that can hold you accountable, that can walk with you in your faith, um, we have a retreat coming up in, on uh, the weekend of May 15th, the Axe Retreat, and we still have some spots available. Um, you can find out more information on our website or contact Father and I. Um, both Father and I will be there that weekend. Um, we would love to have you all join us. Yeah, one of the the best fruits I've ever seen from Acts is the friendships that form and continue. Like to where you can invite, you know, the guys over, you know, these guys you met at Acts retreat. Yeah, you, you're barbecuing outside, you're able to talk, you talk about, you know, Mass and the Sunday homily, you know, how you doing? You, you still reading your, your Bible every day? No, I missed a few days. All right, well, you know, well, right now I'm reading this and it's really good. And, you know, someone you could actually bounce things off of. I've been blown away by the amount of good friendships these retreats have. And, and accountable yeah. friendships, you know. Um, Absolutely. So something to consider. Um, we would love to have you. On that note, we've rambled on and on today. Mm. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up and just wish you a great rest of your week. And we look forward to seeing you this weekend at Mass. Be sure to like us and follow us on your podcast listener of choice and share it with your friends. We'll see you this weekend. God bless. God bless.